episode is a man that started umpiring in Regina, Saskatchewan, has worked his way up to work multiple national championships, and has the most photographic memory I know, Bob Sonder. On this episode, we talk about the one and only game that Bob and I have ever worked together, growing up and working games with Stu Shearwater in Regina, Saskatchewan, and we finally let him get his first media interview. So, sit back, relax, get ready. It's coming. Guess who's back? Back again. The Leading Edge is back with another friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? That's right, we're back. Okay, let's get over this fun stuff. Welcome back to another episode of Leading Edge where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. What can I say? It's been a couple weeks since we had our last episode. Took a little break there. I'm currently studying for a national exam, so trying to get stuff ready. So appreciate everyone tuning in and bearing with us as some... Times the next couple episodes will come a couple weeks at a time. Now, just to give it a quick disclaimer for this week's episode, we had a last-minute cancellation, so I brought on a good friend. We made some adjustments to the schedule and a fellow umpire by the name of Bob Saunders. So we're really excited to get to this week's show. But before we get to this week's episode, let's do a recap of the last episode with Baseball Manitoba Vice President of Umpire Operations and a man that's been to multiple national championships, Ashton Liskey. So if you've missed that episode or you've tuned into it and it's been a while, here's what you were missing, or here's what you heard. I grew up in Winnipeg. I love the city of Winnipeg. So I was uh, back catching one day, and the home plate umpire, who was uh, I thought was having a bad day, because every time I caught the ball, I thought it was a strike, and he called it a ball. And every time I thought it was a ball, he called it a strike when I was batting. So or that year of provincials, I was actually asked to do the 13U and committed to doing the 13U, and then actually turned that assignment down a week later to do the 15U, because I thought I was better to do 15U. That was the biggest mistake I've done growing up. Well, one of the biggest mistakes I've done growing up in the umpiring world, turning back an assignment to do a better assignment after accepting an assignment. My senior championship, when I finally got there, <laughs> uh, was in Miramichi, New Brunswick, or Chatham, or Chatham Head, or you you have so many names for that little area that I'm, I'm not even sure what it's called anymore. So we land safely, and like there's all this like um, emergency stuff all around, like there's fire trucks around, and like I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Is this for us? Like, what's going on? So we land, we stop, we taxi back to the, terminal. what do we call it there? The gate. The terminal. Yep. The gate. I, I guess I said it like, I had my earplugs in. I guess I said it pretty loud. I go, I hope the bird effing dies. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the plane starts laughing. <laughs> I went through I went through a lot of small towns this year. Just all the fans that come out, like Morden had, you know, 100 fans on a, on a Wednesday after, on a Wednesday. The ball beat the guy home, beat the runner from first to home. Catcher caught the ball. Laid the tag on the guy, and the guy just barreled through him. Classic. There I am. I punch him out. There's still pictures floating around on Facebook of me punching him out and the collision. And then all of a sudden, the mirror machine bench empties. And then the catcher gets into the guy's face. And then my referee for my hockey referee stuff comes in mind. So I just get in between them. A boot time. That's the mirror timer in you. A boot. Yes. I'm a Maritimer, and I'm darn proud of it. Well, like we said before, that was our last episode with Baseball Manitoba Vice President 
of umpires division, Ashton Liskey. If you're looking for that, you can find that podcast on Podbean, Apple iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, anywhere you really find podcasts. And like I say before, if you're failing this one, you must be able to find that one. Now again, another one of these weekly plugs. If you're looking for us on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook at Leading Edge Umpire Stories. Go over there, see some of the posts we share and some of the fun we have with everybody. And we do appreciate everyone that checks in. Now I know that you're not here to talk about my Facebook page. So let's keep going. One of the big things that's happened since the last episode is Major League Baseball playoffs have started. Just want to send out a big congratulations to Saskatchewan and Baseball Canada's own Stu Shearwater. Stu is in his third year of full-time work in Major League Baseball. And he was rewarded nicely with a wild card series where he got the opportunity to work a 13-inning game between the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. Did a fantastic job out there and it was such a pleasure to watch him. Then, I think unexpectedly, he got a division series between the Marlins and the Braves. Stu, what can I say? We're awful proud of you up here in Canada. We know you're working hard. Spent a lot of time away from your family this summer. But you're really doing us proud, and we do look up to you out there on the diamond. So it's really nice to see a familiar face out there working some fantastic baseball, especially during the postseason. So thank you for being a continuous role model for all our future umpires here in Canada. Now, without further ado, let's get to this week's guest, a man that's been to over seven Baseball Canada National Championships, right out of the fun city of Regina, and prefers orange jello over anything else, Bob Sonder. Bob, welcome to The Leading Edge. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be able to join you here on your podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Bob. I hear that you're a lifelong fan, so I do appreciate that you've came on the show, and I look forward to sharing some stories with you here today. Before we get going, I do want to thank you. You were a last-minute call-up, I could say, or a last-minute rearranged. <laughs> <laughs> we look to have you on a later episode, and like every umpire, as we've talked on this previous podcast... We're really good at adapting and kind of going with the flow in our guest that was scheduled for this week. Last minute, got some work problems, couldn't make an appearance. So I do appreciate it and want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, it should be. It should be fun. I'm sure we got a lot of stories. Love talking baseball with you. So we'll have a good time. Well, if you're excited to talk baseball, let's get into it. Bob, share with us your playing career. Well, my playing career is a very long and illustrious one. I Started playing Mosquito, or I think it's 11U now. Played one season there, playing first base and outfield for the local team in the lowest tier we could find. I could make contact throwing, as many people have probably seen when I'm umpiring as well, is not a strong suit of mine. So it didn't lead to a very long playing career, but I had the privilege of also hitting a home run derby in the men's tournament in uh, Kenosi a few years back. They always put an umpire up in the Calcutta, and if you get fortunate enough to somebody wants to put up some money to see a hit, you get to take a crack at taking some swings. So so that's probably actually my best hitting part of my <laughs> career was that night I got two out of the infield. So <laughs> roped, roped, one off the, roped one off the screen before the guy went behind it to throw two. You played one season, so is that enough for an upper deck rookie card or what? I don't know. I don't know if you'd want to make a uh, card with – how bad my statistics probably were, but I could make contact. I was good hitting in double plays, so <laughs> we're pretty good there. Now, I don't want to make any assumptions, but if you're hitting into double plays in the 11U division, you're either in a really, really good division or you're bad. 
Yeah, well, half the challenge, I think, in that division sometimes is guys running in front of you, too. Yeah. Now, if there are any umpires <laughs> that need to work on their passing, the preceding runner mechanic or rule knowledge, I guess go find Bob playing 11U. Now, since you're bringing it up in regards to when you umpired it, and considering you only played one year of organized baseball, what really influenced you into getting into umpiring? Well, I had a brother who did play a lot more organized baseball than I did. He played right through 15U before he focused on hockey as well. So I was at the park a lot of nights when he was playing and either they were short umpires needed help or whatever else. So um, the next, so I had helped out a few games just on the diamond being a base guy for people. And then, so the next year a clinic came up. So I went and, and signed up to take the umpire clinic and make a few bucks for some Slurpees on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon and go umpire some games. So started there at Columbus Park here in Regina, working a few games here or there. And brother would be at the park and mom and dad could drive us both there. I'd go work a game and he'd go play. Now we all need that driving force to bring us back to the diamond night after night when we're younger. Some people are Slurpee people. Corey Davis was one of them. And then you get Phil Lamoureux, who's an ice cream kind of guy. Safe to say that the Slurpee was your driving force early on? I was the Slurpee guy when I was a kid. I don't know if it would be a good idea for me now as a diabetic, but at that time, it was the, it was the greatest perk. Cash on Saturday and go to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee. What was your favorite color? What was your favorite flavor? The blue one's usually yes. pretty good. Okay, that's an early. <laughs> yeah, nothing beats a blue raspberry. <laughs> nothing beats anything that's blue out of the Slurpee machines at 7-Eleven. So you work your way up. You start working with working some of your brother's baseball games. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I did a few of those when they were looking for guys. I don't think right. I umpired my brother again until he was playing Bantam AAA. Because at that time, I kind of started working that division the year before he got there. Okay. So I kind of worked past him, and then he caught back up to me. And that's probably the first time I actually umpired any of his games after taking a clinic was uh, a few of the Bantam AAA games there when he was playing there in his last his last year playing organized baseball. So Now, Bob, you come up umpiring in Regina. Care to share with us some of the good games that you've had while umpiring here in Saskatchewan? Um, I've had chances to umpire a lot of good, good, good ball games. I mean, I end up umpiring a lot in the Western Canadian Baseball League. I worked, or was the Western Major Baseball League. Um, I've worked that league for... How long? 15 years or so, I think now, close to it, if not quite that long. I mean, I've had lots of chances to work in our men's league. I've had a couple of no-hitters that I've worked in that league, well, including one a guy lost. <laughs> That's always a blow. How do you lose a no-hitter? I think his team committed six errors on the night. Oh, no. Nothing like having a team full of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hands. He lost like 4-2 or something stupid like that. You stay classy, San Diego. Now, more specifically, let's talk about some of the provincial championships you've been part of. You went to the Saskatchewan Summer Games, didn't you? Yeah, I was at the Saskatchewan Games in 2008. I worked with Scott Most away from Saskatoon, who's come up a few times. And then I worked with a local guy from Lloyd Minster. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I feel bad for him. I forget who it was. So the two of us were, the three of us were a crew for the week. And we continued on working through that. Post show edit. The other umpire was Ray Smith. Now back to the show. And then I got to work. I worked the base in the semifinal. And then I had the privilege of working the plate in the gold medal game. Worked that game with Larry Schrader and Matt Shule. 
where were the games hosted? Yeah, sorry. The, the Saskatchewan games were in Lloyd Minster that year. Prior to working the gold medal game at that tournament, how many years had you been umpiring up until then? That was my eighth year umpiring. It's easy for me to figure out the years because I started 2001. Okay. So that was my eighth year umpiring. I just started into the national program a couple of years before that and uh, had an opportunity to go work there, work the gold medal game between the Southeast and Prairie Central. I actually got a goofy story from that day. So, well, please share it because we enjoy the goofy stories around here. I'm working with Larry Schrader, who's also from Regina and Matt Shule. So we have a rotation on, on the play. So I'm running down to third base and I hear bellowing. Larry, anybody that knows Larry knows he's a very loud individual. Running down the line, he yells, boob, boob, I got the plate. <laughs> he, was so he was so disappointed in himself later that he comes down like twice in the next like two half innings and apologizes both times for calling me boob in the middle of the diamond. Well, I think that nickname stuck for you there for a while too, didn't it? It, it stuck around for a long time. <laughs> that that might have been the start of it in him using that line in the middle of the gold medal game at the Saskatchewan Summer Games. I guess communication is key amongst umpires, isn't it? I, I knew Larry was at the plate, so <laughs> you're good to go. Yep. <laughs> and just for a little background on Larry Schrader, Larry is a legend amongst umpires in the southern part of Saskatchewan. So I have to ask, Bob, outside of that game, did you work with Larry very much over the years? Yeah, I had, uh, I umpired with Larry. For, Larry taught my first clinic in 2001, and I got to umpire with him for a number of years here, local, local games. I'd probably worked 10 to 12 games a year, maybe even that high with him. Well, especially once I started working some of the midget and junior and senior baseball here in Regina. Now, Bob, since we're talking about umpiring in Saskatchewan, let's talk 2012 when you and I first get the opportunity to meet each other. Okay. Now, most people know I am from the Maritimes originally, moved out to Saskatchewan in 2012, originally from Emerson, New Brunswick. Come out that time to search for employment opportunities, or as I like to prefer to call it, an economic migrant. And come to make a paycheck, and <laughs> essentially, I was scheduled to go to my first national championship to represent New Brunswick that year. But moved, ended up getting a hold of Scott Mills in Saskatoon at his zone six at the time. He was the zone six coordinator. I don't know who was the umpire in chief, either Trevor Drury or Rocky Nickel. But anyways, get a hold of Scott throughout the year. He gives me some games. He gets a hold of me in one weekend, says, hey, there is a senior provincial championship. Can you go to Yorkton, or as I prefer to call it, York Vegas, to umpire the provincial senior championship? Now, just to lay a little segue into this, in Saskatchewan, there is senior double a there's no technical senior triple a team or league within the province now occasionally there will be a team that will represent saskatchewan at the baseball canada national championships and usually that's an all-star team or a team steps up and says we want to go because it's close but when it comes to senior championships in the province it's senior double a tier one is the top senior league that's playing in the province for you could say the open championship so back in 2012 essentially what happens is york or York Vegas is hosting the <laughs> Senior Provincial Championship that year. And this is where I get the opportunity to meet Bob for the first time. Now, Bob and I don't get the opportunity to work together during the round robin game, but come the crossovers, Bob's working first base in one of the semifinal. I've been assigned the plate to work the, the game. Now, trigger my memory, Bob. Was it Saskatoon? Saskatoon, that was. Mary's, Marysburg Royals. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm going to be naive here and tell you I didn't realize the rivalry. <laughs> I've learned that since that Saskatoon Outlaws and Marysburg Royals play in the same league, they definitely don't appreciate each other that well. So these guys are hot on a Tuesday night. 
they're going to be twice as hot now playing on a Sunday afternoon after playing a few games in the weekend. And now they're both buying to win the Saskatchewan Baseball Provincial Championship. So it's going to be fun. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I am digging very deep in the Rolodex of umpire memories and ejections over the years. I don't want to claim I have a few, but back in my day, I might have had a quick trigger. But I don't want to be too quick. I think we get into the fourth inning, and I'm not really sure why they're not. I don't think we got that far, Phil. I, I think it was about the second inning this all starts. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that, Bob, for the confidence in my strike zone. I typically like to have the team get around the loop once before they growl at the there strike zone. There was no issue with the strike zone. It was an issue with the throwing problem. Okay, maybe the pitching wasn't very stellar, but that's nothing I can control. I'll be honest, I've been known to miss the low outside corner every once in a while, but I can't control the pitches that are coming in. Now, like every great ejection story, essentially the third base coach or the general manager for the Saskatoon Outlaws do not agree with my strike zone, and I eventually asked the general manager not to come back and give him the beautiful, you're gone. Now, Bob, tell us what happens next. So a couple innings later, pitch was starting to struggle for the Saskatoon team that's lost their manager, so... He decides in the back of the Yorkton dugouts, there's windows. They're just open spaces that go out. And uh, he decides to stick his head back in the window and start trying to tell, starts to try to manage the ball game. So we had a play at first base where I was working first base there in the first base dugout. Half inning ends and I look up and he's got his head in the window. So at this point, I go over to their bench and tell him, well, he's got to go. So then they're mad. They're now acting manager comes out to me and starts screaming at me to get my head out of his dugout. And I said, the guy that needs to get his head out of the dugout is not me. It's the guy that's, that was gone two innings ago. So he's got to get out of here. And then he proceeds to tell me where to go and how to get there and maybe where to stick my head. Oh, so uh, we lost another manager out of the ball game, And I think we still got a few innings left to play in this game. <laughs> It was kind of funny because I didn't expect it. And all of a sudden I hear this commotion down the right field line and hear Bob's fighting with the first base coach. I was working first base, yeah. Yeah, but it was quite interesting seeing Bobby over there fight with the coach. At least I knew Bobby had my back. So it was a really nice welcome to Saskatchewan to know that the umpires here look after each other. So I did appreciate it at the time. Mainly so it wasn't that I was the only guy with an ejection on the weekend. Not like that's ever happened before, but yeah, that's why I was happy. I didn't. I think we ended up losing another player later in the day too. But actually, now that you say that, I think there was a play at second base where one of the teams weren't happy. You know, just one of those days when you're losing by the mercy rule. Yeah. But at least it wasn't me that had to make the call. Our partner, our partner got the complete bingo with us. I think. Gotta love those games when the partner just wants to get involved. You know, maybe randomly call a balk for no reason, just so the attention is diverted to them. All I got to say is you got to love those umpires as teammates that want to get knee-deep dirty in the mud with you when things might not be going well. <laughs> now, Bob, considering the interesting and intriguing game as it was, I think that's the only game that we've ever worked together. We might have a Western League game together along the way, but we have not worked many, no. Usually it rains when you and I are supposed to work a Western League game together. So, Going to chalk that up to Mother Nature not wanting us to work together or cause too many more tectonic plates to <laughs> shift after that game. Now let's cut to the chase. That's the beautiful thing. We might not work together very often, but one of the things that we share in common and enjoy is officiating the game of baseball. And that's what one of the beautiful thing is about being part of the Baseball Canada umpire program or just being part of the umpire family in general. Yeah, I mean, that's even right across this country. There's lots of guys that you and I both have worked with that I'm sure we, I'm sure you do, because I know I do chat with about, about baseball and what we see going on, whether it's 
somebody else in the Western League or somebody that's just had a weird situation somewhere in somewhere else, inter-county league or some midget game they're working somewhere in the Maritimes. Again, that's one of the beautiful things about being an umpire here in Canada. Now, Bob, since you're talking with the Western League, how many years have you been working the variations of the WCBL or <laughs> WMBL? It's either 2006 or 2007 that I worked my first games. I oh, worked wow. shortly after Regina got a team back. They hadn't had a team for a number of years in that league. Okay. And they brought a new team into town. And late in that year, they were looking for some guys to work a couple few games. So I got the privilege of going out and working a couple games right at the end of the year between some teams that neither of them was very good, if I remember correctly. But either way, I got my first kind of crack at working the league there. And then since then, I've worked a more normal what I call local guy schedule in the league worked a little bit of games outside of Regina, but for the most part, it's tough to get away from work in time to get to a lot of the centers. So I've probably worked, I don't know, I would say over what, what do we got there? 13, 14 years. I've maybe, I've probably got close to hundred games in that league in. So now let's talk real quickly. You mentioned that you're a working man. Now, truth be told, that's what the majority of umpires here in Canada, we're just amateur people that really enjoy the game of baseball. We work hard when we go out there to do it. We try to do the best we can, but most of us are working a job, and this is something we're trying to do to enjoy. But it doesn't take away from the credibility or the work ethic that people are putting in. Now, I ask this of everybody, Bob, but you say you got into it for the money, you know, for the Slurpees. Would you say that you're still doing it for the money? No, I mean, for sure not. I mean, the, the money is not what keeps anybody around this game, I don't think. I mean, anybody that loves the game of baseball, whether you've played it, love watching it, loving being part of it, wants to see the game of baseball survive and do well, thrive. I mean, that, to me, that's the best part of it is just helping there, be, being part of the game, being out there still an exciting opportunity many nights. So really what keeps me going back to the park is the enjoyment for the game, not the, not the paycheck at the end of the night. I think that's a very true and honest assessment. Now, the one of the things that you brought up that was really interesting is you only played organized baseball for one year. What that shows is that there are people that really just enjoy the game of baseball. They don't have to have an extensive playing career to build, to really be umpires. Sure, a playing background helps, but it's not the end-all, be-all. I love watching the game of baseball, and whether it was, you know, I was a kid growing up even before I started playing here when they had the they had an uh, independent pro league team here in Regina. We'd go to half a dozen games or more. Dad and my brother and I would go to the park on a Tuesday night and go watch the Cyclones take on whoever, Aberdeen, South Dakota, or I forget who else was in that league. I know Moose Jaw had a team that was always a night when the park would be packed. I just remember Aberdeen in the final here against Regina the one year. It was like you could see your breath, and they were still playing the league championship series, but packed up on whatever night it was and grabbed a blanket and went and watched the game of baseball. It's an interesting game. It's a fun game to watch, and it's great to be a opportunity too. You're right, Bob. Baseball is a fantastic game. But I believe that it's more of an honor to be part of the game and still be active within it. Now, you're talking about the Western League. What are some of your favorite experiences about the Western League, let's say, off the field? The best part off the field, I think, is the opportunity to chat with your colleagues that you work the league with after a game. Like, there's lots of chances. Like, there, there's great chances to learn that first, a lot of times, 15, 20 minutes after a game, you can learn about a lot of things that happened in a ball game, take that time to debrief and chat to become better umpire. Right. And then, I mean, after you get through that as a umpire trying to be better, as you talked about, it's great to sit and share stories with, with the guys. And sometimes, you know, with now, especially we have the full-time guys that stay 
at the dorms here in Re- at the university here in Regina. There's a lot of chances to even just go meet up with the guys that are working the league that maybe worked a game in Moose Jar or Weyburn or someplace that it's coming back to, they come back to Regina and you can just chat and share stories. Where is the traditional or typical meeting spot in Regina, let's say after a game? Well, um, close, to, close to the university where the dorms are, they, uh, there's a pizza place that also has a pub called The Study. Yes. And guys have lots of chances to go to the study. I think Ron Shuchuk kind of got the study started as a place to meet up. Many guys have kept that tradition going since. They're close to the university and the full-time guys can wander back at the end of the evening if they don't want to drive and everybody else can kind of stop in, have a pop or two and visit and share stories from the night or from seven years ago or yeah. whatever else and it's kind hear of about what else is going on. Two things about the study. First, if you ever want to know how far Moose Jaw is, show up at the study and you'll find out. Now, Bob, I'll be honest with you, now that you're on the show, really the idea of this podcast came from what happens at the study. All the conversations and enjoyment and stories that we hear there is there really the ideation and the creation behind the podcast. So that's where it's come from. I mean, at one time, sharing stories was the only way to get better. But now with technology and that stuff, we get to watch these games on our mobile devices, might get to go back and critique ourselves and really bring it up to study and teach each other how to get better so that essentially we can be the best umpire that we can be. A lot of times, sometimes Ron will even just phone, phone somebody to just work the game and said, I'll yeah. be at the study in 40 minutes. I want to talk about something I saw on the, on the, on the feed as I was driving back or as I was going somewhere. So sometimes Ron, the professor gets the calls for the study to be visited. And that is the beautiful thing about this is that no matter where you are, Regina, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Quebec City, wherever you are, the family of umpiring is fantastic, and every community probably has a study where umpires go to get better. Now let's move on from the study, and let's talk about your Baseball Canada national experiences. How many baseball championships have you been to? I've been assigned to umpire seven, like uh, Mr. Nash that started out. I also worked another game locally here when a guy got hurt. So I've umpired at seven plus a game. Now working seven championships, where are some of the places you've been and who are some of the people you've met? Well, uh, so the first one I visited was uh, Red Deer, where I worked at Pee Wee's. Um, I got to work with Dave Basanti, who's my crew chief, kind of helped get me learn a little bit about being in a national championship since he had been at a few. And um, Roger Carche worked with me there as well from Manitoba. I've had a few chances to work with Pete Perot. I've worked with him at my second Pee Wee West that I worked the next year as well. He's my crew chief in the uh, Canada Cup. I've worked with uh, Andre Jean. uh, Also worked with Pete and I there at the Pee Wee. Jeff Chipley's been to, I think, four, maybe five nationals I've been to. He worked with, he was on my crew at the Bantam National along with Adam Poirier when we were in Vaughan. Um, I got to go to Magog, Quebec. Uh, worked my midget there in 2014. We worked with Chris Solarski and Dom Gerard from Nova Scotia and Quebec, respectively. That was an interesting tournament in that you play over three different locations that are about 40 minutes apart, and Sherbrooke and um, Quota Cook. I got a chance to work at the Canada Cup in Fort McMurray there, um, similar to Matt Shule there right after the fires. That was a interesting experience just to see the community and how it reacted to it and and the devastation of it like driving from the airport to the hotel and the guy that picked me up was telling me about where all the fire was and it just the brush is just burned out on both sides of the road 
all the way from the airport to most of the way downtown. I actually don't know how as much of downtown stayed standing as it did. So that tournament was interesting in just seeing what went on. Like the second ballpark, you didn't probably have to walk more than a couple hundred feet and there was no longer any brush. The way the community rallied and they put on a phenomenal event, especially given everything else that had happened in their community there. So I got to work with Pete Pearl there and then had the opportunity to work with Kelly Hunter as well in that tournament. Got a pretty illustrious umpiring resume in and, in and of herself. Well, let's talk about yeah, Fort McMurray so, since you're there real quick. Okay, let's just talk and then we'll talk about some of the other ones. Fort McMurray, what was it? What year was that, please? 2015? It was 2016. 20, okay, it's 2016 in Fort McMurray. They get hit hard with significant forest fires that go rampant through the city. Now, the city has a population of about seventy to 75,000. Now, I'll stand to be corrected probably by Marcus Erlinson. But this community gets hit hard and ravaged with these forest fires that engulf the community. Everyone has to force to evacuate. And people don't know if they're coming home. And some don't actually come home. And all these years later, they're still fighting out the court battles. And they've never really come home. But this community is struggling... Physically, of course, the loss of their possessions in their homes, but also emotionally, because I would never have experienced that. But that has to be something that's just something and traumatizing that you never get over. But the beautiful thing about the community is they have two fantastic ballparks, one that's right downtown Shell Place and another one that's up on the hill that's in a residential park. And it is in the brush like the woods are 10 feet, maybe 15 feet away from the edge of the baseline. Now, first, Bob, let's be honest. It must have been really difficult for you coming from the prairies and the flatland to actually see a tree in a few hills up there in Fort McMurray. Uh, there's, there's a few trees around here, but <laughs> not what we're talking about in Fort McMurray. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Bob, like I said, the woods come right up to the edge of the baseball field, essentially, don't they? Oh, yeah. It's probably not even 30 feet to the woods from yeah. the edge of the ball diamond down the first base side. And it's rather amazing that field wasn't really tarnished and this tournament I think was a really big deal for the community because they really wanted to rebound and just focus on something other than the burnt brush and you know people lost their house people lost their livelihood some people have never been back so I know that Matt Shule talked in the show and it just speaks to the volume of what communities do to make these championships thrive and it's something I think as umpires that we really appreciate when we go because you mentioned Quebec. I've been to championships in Quebec, and you hear this from multiple people in Quebec, and Rob Allen alluded to it too, on a previous episode as well. Sometimes fields are spread out. And like you've been, what you say, they're half an hour away from each other. So it, you spend a lot of time at a national championship in a car just commuting back and forth. And I really cherish the moments that I get with a lot of my umpire colleagues at these championships because those are the experiences and the stuff that we end up talking about here years later. Sure, we talk about the ejection every now and then, but really it's the uh, the opportunity to talk with each other about, you know, remember, remember this person or remember that person, remember this or remember that. Just bringing it back to Fort McMurray, it's this was an opportunity for them and I think they've exceeded the expectations that anyone would have ever thought. And they've gone on to apply for other national championships and I think they were scheduled to host the Cup this year, if I'm not mistaken, eh, Bob? Yeah, the Canada Cup was supposed to be back there again this year. And, these, and I think they've got an 18U coming soon as well. So, Yeah, I think you're right. I think they were scheduled to host the 18U here coming up in 2021. So they must have done a fantastic job at these previous championships that they want to keep hosting because they've really set the standard as a high standard for other tournaments right across the country. So 
Kudos goes out to Fort McMurray. Now, as much as I like talking with the communities that put on these championships, the show is about Bob Saunders. So, Bob, let's get back to you. After all these championships that you've been to, what are some of the memories and experiences that you're willing to share with us here today? Oh, there's there's lots there's lots of great experiences. I mean, most of them actually probably come from off the diamond. Just spending some of the time with some of the guys. Like we had a crew, pretty young crew together in Vaughn. The the three of us. I think I was the old guy at the time, at like 25 years old on my crew. Oh wow! And um, you say Vaughn is that 15? You Vaughn was 15. You yeah, that was 2011. Working with Jeff Chipley and Adam Poirier from Alberta and Ontario, respectively. We had we had a lot of fun just even getting to sit and chat about baseball. We we actually went down and the three of us went down and saw a Jays game later in the week as the Jays were in t- in Toronto there, which isn't that far from Vaughn, and we only had the one game day. Now, Bob, you mentioned the name Jeff Chipley. Now, let's take Jeff out of the equation, and we talk about umpiring being a generational thing here in Canada. What is it like to go back to championships every so many years, and you see some of the same umpires that you ran into, let's say, two or three years ago? Well, I'm I'm always excited when I see guys that I haven't seen in a couple of years because although you know technology allows us to stay in touch, but we still don't necessarily get the chance to chat, catch up, see how people are doing. Some people have had children, had got married, learn learn a little more about what's going on in guys' lives. Like you've talked about it a few times, but I mean we're a big family, and getting to an opportunity to see some guys, and even there's some guys that popped up pop up once in a while where you haven't worked a tournament in seven eight years together and you still get a chance to catch up and see where things are at so now i guess i gotta be honest with you one of the fun things i enjoy about going to these championships year after year is seeing how much less hair i have compared to everyone else you know am i in the lead for losing my hair the quickest or who's really beating me so that's kind of what i compare myself to uh, the, the hair length is not the, the, the amount of hair remaining is not something that I've paid attention to, but maybe I've been a little less follically challenged. Well, you are referred to as Buzz Cut Bob Sonder, so it makes sense. Okay, Bob, I have to ask you you've been to multiple national championships. Do you have any superstitions or any routines that you like to do as you prepare and get ready for a national championship? I don't know if I have any, you know, superstitions, routines to prepare. I think it's now that I've been to a few, I kind of understand what I'm going into. That that being said, I did have a pretty routine play at the Canada Cup. I was working the semifinal between Newfoundland and BC. Got to appreciate coast to coast. And uh, Matt Schuel's working third base and Kelly Hunter um, working the plate with us this, this morning. We've got runner on first base. This nice, lovely gapper gets hit up. Looks like, yeah, nobody in the ballpark's going to come anywhere close to this baseball, so... What does a good first base umpire do? You know, going to stay home, rotate, help his partners out. As I'm watching this ball go up, you know, pause, read, react. It's, yeah, it's going to be a gap or no way he's going to get to it. Watch this thing sailing, sailing, and this center fielder is starting to get on his horse. As an umpire, I'm always a fan of the Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, ooh, this couldn't be too, this could be interesting. And uh, so I kind of pause, maybe take a couple steps back towards it just in case something happens here. And this guy goes and reaches out hard. Catches the ball, does a complete almost like cartwheel to st- and comes back up, holds up the baseball. Routine catch, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing big to sell. So just gave it, you know, a small out and jog to the outfield. And we continued on with the next half inning. No big deal. But uh, thing that makes it even better. So, you know, routine catch, 
Nothing big needs to be seen here. Um, right. I think it makes it better. So they're handing out the fielding awards at the end of the championship after the gold medal game later that day. And um, the this center fielder from Newfoundland actually wins the outstanding fielder for the tournament. And it's Jim Baba, who's our Baseball Canada rep and the executive director for Baseball Canada, goes and says, well, you know, so-and-so, I forget the kid's name, wins the um, best fielder for the for the tournament, and we all got to remember his his great diving catch in the um, semifinal this morning against BC. Oh, Bob! So, you know, I don't really have many routines to prepare, but sometimes I run into some pretty routine catches. Now, Bob, I don't want to be your supervisor after the tournament, but that don't sound like no routine catch at all. But Bob, as an umpire, I always appreciate when players make outs. <laughs> now, an out and out, you need them all. Yeah, you need tw- you need twenty seven and. Nine inning game or twenty one and a um, seven inning game to get half a game done. So I'll take it anyway and get it. Like I said, as an umpire, I appreciate any out. Now, Bob, you know why umpires make a nice fist sign when an out's made, right? Well, it's rather simple. It's almost like they're saying, "Yes, he's out. I'm one out closer to going home." And an umpire makes a safe signal, hands out. The reason being is he's kind of making a. Oh, man, why couldn't you feel the play and get more outs? And out is our best friend. Outs are friends. We don't, we, we don't have a clock, so we need out. That's my favorite part of the game. I'm not going to lie. I love how there's no time clock in baseball. Every pitch matters. The game is not over until the final out is made. I'm no Jace Tingler where I like to growl about you can't hit a 3-0 pitch when you're up by five runs. Screw that. You got to pitch every pitch into the end. And as umpires, that's why it's important that we stay focused right to the end. But Bob, we want to talk about getting closer to the end. We're not there yet at all, but we still have some more discussion to do. Let's get away from your Baseball Canada National Championships and let's speak about some of the Little League National Championships that you've had the privilege of being part of. I had a chance to work a few of their national qualifiers along with um, both 2005 and 2010. Regina hosted the Big League Canadians. So 2005, I got to get a little bit of a taste uh, working some of the games and we worked that entire tournament four-man, which was an interesting opportunity in and of itself. Worked with a lot of local guys. And then in 2010, um, I got to work the tournament again. Um, that tournament, it rained all week, but you make it work. I got a chance to even work the semifinal plate between two hated rival leagues, which I didn't even know they were hated rivals until I saw them in the round robin, and they almost brawled in the round robin. And I got the plate again in the semifinal when they wanted to go at it again. Got to work that tournament there, and then they had a, brought a guy in with them, so he to work the tournament that was heading off to their big league World Series. He worked the gold medal plate, and I got to work that game with him as well. Now, Bob, let's talk about the two organizations that run baseball here in Canada, Little League and, of course, Baseball Canada. Based on your experiences, what are some of the similarities between the two? Uh, I find the, the biggest difference I find working a national with the at, at the national level, at least, is is that a lot of times, for the most part, the nationals in the little league program are all guys from that same area, region, district. While baseball Canada, when we get to work with meet guys from across the country, little league might bring a guy or two in, but that's about the extent of it. In terms of the baseball, it's still baseball. The age groups are slightly different. Little league still playing with aluminum bats at that at that level. So when you got some. 280 pounds, six foot four guys ripping aluminum bats when they're 18 years old. That baseball goes flying by pretty quick. I remember hearing a couple go by when I was working second base in that first tournament. So <laughs> that definitely has to be a quick learning curve. I know that I don't work any aluminum bat baseball. No, check that. Occasionally I'll do the 
house league game locally as I mentor other umpires, but I'm not very comfortable in the aluminum bat because the ball does come flying off that back some quick and it, it spins differently and it's just different. The sound the ball of, gets by, gets moving quicker for sure. You're right. And the sound, it just doesn't feel like baseball. I've been working wood bat baseball now since 2002, I think. When I played in that back in New Brunswick, I think it was 2001, 2002, they mandated 18U go to wood bats. So it gets, like you said, it gets by you quicker. The sound, it, it, the ball does some different things off of an aluminum bat. I, sh- I don't even know if it's aluminum bat now. They talk about all this composite stuff. So, yeah, like I said, I don't have much experience with it. So we're just going to move on because I really don't have much else to comment or anything about it. Now, Bob, one of the other things you were saying is you work second base. We've all watched the Little League World Series on TV. What systems do they use in Little League Canada? Most of the time, most of the games I've worked, at least the local ones, we still work the two-man system. Um, the first national I worked, we used all four-man for the entire tournament. Um, the second time I worked the tournament, we used three-man through their round robin where everybody, and they only have one pool, so everybody played everybody. We played the did three-man, and then we pulled out, then we added a fourth umpire on the diamond for the three games in the middle round. I think they use what works best, and I think the numbers available dictated a little bit what we had for umpires at the second national okay so i will attest that is one of the nice things about the baseball canada program is you know when you're going to a championship you're going to work three umpire system and like you mentioned bob you get to see people from all over the country each province typically sends a select number of representatives if available or or it's a very diverse group of umpires from around the country not necessarily all just from the same town I think I've umpired at, a, at least a game at a national with somebody from every province other than Newfoundland. And I've never, in the seven tournaments I've been to, I've never had a Newfoundland umpire at our tournament. How hard that is to believe. It's not hard to believe. I'm going to pump Newfoundland's tires here. I think that, in all fairness, they have five umpires in the Baseball Canada National Program. And maybe I'll give you a sneak peek next week. Scheduled to come on is Dave Bucky Buckingham. Uh, legend here in the Baseball Canada world, and Bucky's one of them. I believe Mark Jones is another. Ryan Garland is another. And I believe they have two that are just getting in at the 13U level. It might be a little bit more, but last I think I remember was five. So, like we talked generation umpires, the Baseball Newfoundland program is really working hard to bring their younger umpires up. And yeah, so, I mean, they have, they're have they obviously playing baseball. I know yes. that. They've sent some teams. and Yeah. Canada Cup I was at they played the bronze medal game so the first or the first Canada Cup I was at so yeah it, and it's not a knock against Newfoundland at all I think it's no. just it's just the population right numbers it's like PEI what do they have for numbers and it, it's hard to compete against some of the big powerhouses like Ontario and and Quebec but let's be honest that is one of the beautiful things about the game of baseball in Canada it goes coast to coast it sure does and I've worked a lot of good games with involved Teams from all 10 provinces. That's the perk of seven nationals. I've seen all of them a number of times. So. Now, Bob, how many provinces have you been to to umpire? I, I lost umpired in five. five of them. Yeah, so I, ha- I haven't umpired in BC nor any of the four Maritimes. So. Three Maritime provinces, people listening. There's three Maritime provinces, okay? It's and Atlantic Canada provinces. Okay, thank you. I finally, like, this is the sixth time somebody's done this to me, and it's just killing me. <laughs> so we're gonna play no. geography. It's Atlantic 107. Canada provinces that I 
have not umpired in along with BC. Okay, right. The Maritime Provinces, just to set it straight, Bob, is New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and PEI. Newfoundland, they come in in 49. Yeah, they're a part of the Atlantic Canada, but they're not a true maritime province. Okay, <clears throat> I'm just going to just take a moment here to let my blood pressure settle and we can get back to it. <laughs> uh, but isn't it nice, Bob, that baseball has taken you from doing your brother's games at the age of 12 to five different provinces and I'd say counting? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great opportunity and the game of baseball has been good to me in that regard and that I've got to umpire teams from across this country and some American teams that have come up and played in some other tournaments I've worked and um, umpire with guys from across the country. It's just fun to be part of the game. Had the opportunity to get to work at home as well. Worked a national tournament in my own backyard. What, what tournament was that? Uh, the Canada Cup last year in 2019. Got to work the tournament in your opinion, what was one of the nice things about working a tournament in your hometown? Well, one of the best parts of actually working in Regina was mom and dad got to see me work at a national championship. You know, I can always tell 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 mom and dad or my rest of my family, you know, stories of working games at national tournaments, getting to opportunity, you know, what the baseball is like, etc. But they got uh, they actually had the opportunity to come see me work three games that week, so. Yeah, it's, it's parks you know, but I mean, it's still fun just to be there and then also, you know, be, be the guy that can kind of help show people around the week as well. Like part of the crew, I mean, we got 12 guys and what do we got? 12 guys, four supervisors. We had be a little bit of a tour guide to show around some, uh, here's some of the better spots to go or. Who was on your crew at that championship? I worked with Mike Richards from PEI and Joel Goom from Ontario. So. Yeah, we had a chance to work seven games as a crew that week, and Joel and I worked a game in the placement round as well. Had a lot of learning opportunities, but also had a lot of fun just on the diamond and off the diamond. We, unfortunately, were the crew that was supposed to be on the diamond when the thunder rolled, so instead of getting to take a trip to um, Seagarth Brooks play like Blaze and some of the others did, as you talked to earlier about. Um, uh, we were sitting listening to the actual Thunder Roll as we were hoping to start a ball game that didn't actually end up happening. When you're sitting and listening to the actual Thunder Roll, what do you mean? Well, we, Regina got a massive thunderstorm about 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, so we got uh, sitting watch the light show take place as the lightning was going on and watch the rain come down and continue to pour for about an hour and a half, two hours. And then they finally decided to, the game would be played in the morning, which I think ended up becoming a lot later than morning. But two the, in the original afternoon. plan was morning and we got to pack up and head back to the hotel after spending about four hours at the ballpark waiting for a ball game to start. Well, when you say the thunder rolls and the thunderstorm hit Regina, I was in Regina, actually, for the record, sitting at the keg with Ashton Liskey and Rob Allen and a couple other guys. And Stephen Clark was there, and then he somehow just disappeared, but we won't get into that. And it's 5.30, 6 o'clock, and it gets pitch black. You would have thought it would have been 10, 11 o'clock at night. And when it rained... Some of the underpasses were flooding and there were some low-lying areas that experienced some flooding. Oh, the, the, the rain came down. Bob, isn't there a song about that? Let the rain come down and wake my dreams. Isn't that song by Hilary Duff or somebody? 
<laughs> it, it really rained. And I remember the next day heading back to the park, they were digging trenches to try to get water off the diamond at like, what, noon the next day? Yes. Um, they were still trying to, they were digging trenches, which they then had to fill before we could play ball later in the day. And when we go back and talk about the hard work that people do to make these championships successful, the crew in Regina, bar none, did a fantastic job to revive that tournament because that could have very easily shut them down for another day and a half. When you have people traveling across the country, you're hoping to put on a good show, and those volunteers really saved that championship to make sure that it was a it was what everyone had always expected it to be, a premier top yeah. classy act. They they did a phenomenal job getting that going again, and we we were lucky. We only had one game that didn't play on the day it was supposed to be, or two games that didn't play on the day they were supposed to be played. Yeah. That one we had suspended, would that be Friday night? I guess, and the quarterfinal went Sunday morning. Right. Like other than that, everything got played on the regular regular day, and I don't think we started until middle of the afternoon on on Saturday. So we were lucky there, and even Baseball Canada rep was out there wheeling around shale and digging trenches as well. So they did everything to get that tournament in, and it's always weird to have your schedule changed, but for the most part, the umpires, yeah, our times changed, but. Our tournament really was the same tournament to work, and we still had the baseball to work. Some games changed for guys, but it still was a great time to work. So Right, um, but I mean, you have your schedule change quite regularly. Look it, you're on here the show tonight. I asked Bob <laughs> last night. I asked Bob yesterday. So he's had like 22 hours to prepare, so... I thank you again for coming on in short, short notice. But you must be used to having your schedule change quickly and you're able to adapt as an umpire. Now, talking about coming from Regina and seeing what could have happened to what ended up happening with that championship and they got it in on time, no questions asked. How does that make you feel as a Regina Tonian, if that's what we call you? I don't know. What do you, what do you like to refer to yourself as? I'll, I'll go with your term. It's, it's a good enough one. <laughs> But no, it was it was impressive to see them pull that off because I mean, we got a lot of rain, and like we're not talking a little bit of rain; we're talking a lot of rain, like standing water, eight ten hours after it started raining. So I think they got a month and a uh -huh. half of rain in, honestly, like in their precipitation. I think it was a month and a half average in the summertime came down in something like an hour and a half. So they were like you said, they were worried some of the underpasses were actually going to flood because. We have lots of them here in Regina where we go under train tracks. Yep. It's better than the ones, the train tracks that go over the road, but that, 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 that's another adventure of trying to change parks. Now you're working. I hope your... nobody got stuck on the train, but we're waiting for the train as they were going between parks in Regina. Hope not. I heard Blaze LeVay might have got a few. Um, you guys have those speed trap camera tickets in the old Dodge Caravan. Yeah, the good old Dodge Caravan. The three of them flying around all. Zippity doo dah. Yeah, the red button worked. Yeah, push the red button. Now, Bob, you're working your hometown. We talk about this already, but Ashton came on last week and he says you're kind of a media guru. Share with us your opportunity <laughs> to potentially get on CTV. So, Ashton told this story, but we're, I, I've got to explain a little more of the background, I think, to it. So, all week, as I'm watching the news every night when I get home, they've been previewing this tournament's coming along and they've been interviewing different 
players, the host committee, all these different groups on CTV too, um, about what's going on, what they expect, etc. So day two of the tournament, I'm, I, I just finished umpiring a base game, get back to the locker room about half change. In walks Ashton, and he tells me, and Rob's, Rob's standing just outside the door. He's visiting with somebody, and Ashton says to me, the lady from CTV is here, and they're doing story on, you know, local aspects to this tournament, and they, you know, want to interview the local umpire. I'm like, okay, I guess I can head out. And he says, but you got to get dressed. So what do I do? Do what I'm told. So fine, start getting dressed. So I get dressed again. I want to know, you know, what do they want to talk about? Is there anything, you know, I should, of any topics to avoid, etc.? Ashton does a great job, you know, no, just answer their questions. We told them, you know, they can't ask about certain things, whatever. So, yeah, you just got to go out there, find the lady. She's out there. She's got a white white uh, sweater on or white shirt on or whatever it is. So head out there. So I get get finished getting dressed again. And I get about two, three steps out of the door. And Ashton says to me, Bob, no, no, no. I'm just pulling your leg. You can come back. So... <laughs> Might have used a few choice words, but uh, he says, no, they don't actually want to talk to you. So I'm like, well, of course they don't want to talk to me. It's like, it's Elmer that everybody actually would care about. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that you got on <laughs> leading edge umpire stories ahead of Elmer, okay? There you go. <laughs> a feather in your cap. Perk for Bob. Perk but, for Bob. Uh, yeah. yeah, so need, needless to say, Ashton's backstory, although it might seem like they picked on the gullible umpire because they did, but Ashton's <laughs> backstory um, actually made a little bit of sense if you would actually watch the news on CTV in the week leading in where they were interviewing local people attached to this tournament. So I think I have to give Ashton a little bit of credit there that he picked the right topic given what I had seen on the news the entire week leading in. <laughs> Oh no question. You that's a that's a difficult prank to pull on the guy coming from PEI. Like they want to talk to the local guy. That's what it's all about, man. The local legend. Yeah, but Elmer's the real local legend, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, share with us why is he such a local legend? Well, it doesn't seem to matter where he goes in umpiring baseball in this in Regina. Everybody knows Elmer. Everybody knows what's going on with Elmer. And even the Regina Red Sox love to even give him happy birthday for Elmer. So Elmer's birthday is actually in November. But every year when we get the opportunity, Elmer's usually on the plate. And it's Elmer's birthday at the ballpark. Someone will tell the guys when they, because they always want our lineup card of who's umpiring that night so they can announce it before the game. And somebody um, usually writes on there it's elmer's birthday tonight elmer's had a lot of birthdays at the regina red sox games especially considering he has his birthday actually in november but they will play happy birthday across the pa system for them they usually get to try to get the crowd to sing along and like instead of doing some on-field promo they'll get everybody to sing happy birthday to elmer in the fifth inning of the ball game or something like that so the best part about that is elmer's son i believe sits in the press box and is an off Field official, official scorer, isn't he? Elmer's son, I think, is either the music guy or he's the paper scorer for the for, for the ball games most nights. Yeah, so it's an inside job. 
Well, you you need you need the inside job once in a while to help you out. I mean, he's been umpiring for forty plus years as well. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's over forty, and he's been at it a long time. All here and all here, I believe, in Regina. So, I think that helps you get to be a local legend as well. I think so. And since we're talking local legends, let's put this episode. Let's put this part of the episode up here now. Who are some of the local legends that you've had the opportunity to work with over the years? Well, I think a few of the guys that need some credit. Um, we talked a little bit about Larry Schrader when we started the night. Larry is a guy that's great for, he was part of the national program, but he was also great with a lot of the local guys. He loved working with the younger guys, especially as we were moving up through different age groups and just there to provide advice, help you learn through different situations. He'd help you learn a lot of different things about, about the game. Um, he unfortunately has an umpire for a number of years now, but he's a guy that I think I need to give a little bit of credit to, to helping me. Elmer gets enough, cre- enough credit along the way, <laughs> but I mean, again, he's the guy that helps keep the umpiring side of the program going here in Regina. I mean, he's been the president of our umpires association in Regina for a number of years, um, off and on in various spurts. I think he was before me and after me when I, when I had that role. Um, and another guy kind of helped move me through the different ranks uh, was Chad Wagner. He's a great guy to drink beer with, but he's also <laughs> a great guy to help um, with different things umpiring and just kind of help move me through different divisions as I was moving up. He's also right now spearheading the mentorship program here in Regina. So oh, nice. I think we need to give him credit for trying to get that moving along again because it kind of seems to go in spurts of – success and spurts of not having enough resources to make it work or enough dedication to make it work. So okay. those are a few guys that I think need to be given some credit. And then on the grassroots side, um, I think Joe Smith needs to be given some credit. I mean, he's our current, he's currently the zone umpire director, but I mean, he also works with the baseball Regina works on their board, um, helps to get um, lots of young umpires started, gets organized a lot of the, things that are going on on the non 90 foot base path diamonds, just helping see, make sure that mentorship's happening with Chad, but also helping make sure we have umpires out there and putting guys in spots to help them succeed. Joe's done a lot of work down there. I know this year he really spearheaded a group of guys that they went over to one of the ball diamonds. Please forgive me. I don't know which one redid the umpire change room and just provided the, an opportunity for a place for umpires to go and change. I think we've all been there. We've changed out of the back of our car. It's hard for a 14 year old to really change out of the back of their car and considering they can't drive. So good on Joe for really working on that grassroots stuff, because that's the future of our umpire world is that these grassroots umpires, these young guys, young girls. Yeah. They did a lot of work at Columbus park that the, what I'm going to call the shack next to the clubhouse there had been there for many years. And it, was kind of a little tiny building, but it was partitioned into two rooms and had a lot of old, outdated chairs and nowhere really to hang anything up. But, I mean, they went through. They made sure the wall. They could kept the roof up. But, I mean, they took down that wall to make it a bigger space, cleaned up the carpeting, put in some hooks. Baseball Regina and the Regina Baseball Umpire Association put some new equipment in that locker room as well so so that our umpires had something to use. So. A lot of great opportunities there, and all those the group of about 10, 12 guys put in a ton of work there one weekend to get that up to the place that it is today. 
lot of memories about to be made there over the next few years, that's for sure. Now, coming from Regina, though, let's talk about one big legend, okay? <laughs> the biggest one, I'd say, here in baseball Canada would be Stu Sherwater, of course. Now, growing up, did you ever have the opportunity to work with Stu? I did get a chance to work some games with Stu. Stu was about three years older than me and went to the same high school as me. Oh, so nice. um, we both were umpiring here locally and some of the younger divisions as well as worked a little bit in the midget and men's league as we were moving up. I actually got to work my first men's league game with him. So that was a fun opportunity. Can you remember anything about that game? I do remember that game. Two teams that do not like each other. Again, I seem to get these games and don't really have the background to it before I have <laughs> these happen. But uh, I remember a guy was tries to steal second base, and he just absolutely kicks the second baseman as the guy's trying to tag him. Just cleats him square in the leg. Needless to say, we did lose a couple players out of this, but the guy didn't like getting kicked, nor did the guy kicking him like the guy that he was kicking at second base. So the two of them kind of started to exchange some words. And I remember Stu just coming over the mound from home plate because he was working the plate in this game and just bellowing at these two guys to smarten up. Um, I don't even remember who the two players were, which goes against oh. your comment from earlier. But I remember <laughs> he knew who both of them were, used both their names, and started letting them know that this was not going to happen. So this was my welcome to men's league. It's like third inning or second inning in the ball game, and we got a guy getting cleated. Welcome to working men's baseball. And welcome to working with Stu Shearwater. So yeah, Stu was not going to let me get in trouble. We worked a doubleheader that night. And I got to work the 18U game, and he got to work the men's game on the plate. And Nice. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's quite the memory, working with a guy that's now working professional baseball. Oh, and, and not even just professional baseball. This is Stu Shearwater that we're talking about, a guy that just worked his first major league postseason where he got 13 strong innings between the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds and then got a division series between the Miami Marlins and the Braves again. Looking back on it, you never know who you're going to run into in this game. No, for sure. You don't know who you're going to run into. I'm sure there's guys have talked about as well. I mean, there's some of the players we run into. There's some umpires that we run into that we have the opportunity and see where they are later. I mean, Stu's worked really hard to get where he is, but for sure it's cool to be able to say I worked a few games with him before he left. I wouldn't even say Stu's left. He's just a guy that works Major League Baseball now, and he's still a proud Reginatonian, isn't he? Still lives in Regina and still contributes back to our program. He, he still lives with his wife in the offseason here in Regina. He does, and Stu gives a lot back to the Baseball Saskatchewan umpire program. He usually stops in at the AGM or the meetings if he's in town. This past spring, he gave up his time, I think Valentine's Day weekend, right before he left for spring training, before the world fell apart, and gave up three days to come up and travel six hours to provide mentorship to grassroots or baseball Canada umpires, just to share some of that knowledge. So I know that Stu gives back to umpires, and it really means a lot to give back to where he came from. He's also a proud member of the UMPS Care program and is involved in various projects with other Major League umpires. The Baseball Saskatchewan Umpire program is very fortunate to have a guy like Stu Shearwater who continues to give back to the program and helps everyone succeed. I know I've had the opportunity to learn from Stu in some of his courses, so I do appreciate the knowledge that he transfers to us. So thank you, Stu. Yeah, I mean, Stu, Stu will give, would give you the shirt off his back, I think. like Stu loves to care for the program and wants to see those back at home succeed just as much as he wants to see those right across the country. I mean, I think he helps out in other areas as well. 
at some of their clinics they put on as well. So yeah, he does. along with, like you said, the umps care and things like that. So, yeah. And Stu is a proud alumni. I'll say it now because I don't think he'll make the trip back, but a, a proud <laughs> alumni of the baseball Canada umpire program, 2005, he attended the baseball Canada cup. And in 2006 went to the 21 U national championship. So he's been in some of the same shoes that we've been in right now working the national championship. So it's another feather in the cap to the baseball Canada umpire program. For sure. Stu's done a lot of great work and subsequently had an opportunity to, he's put in the time and effort, obviously go to umpire school and go and put his time in, in the minors, which is a grind that we've had some guys chat about as well. So he's put in, he's put in the time and effort and work hard. Sometimes you get to the right spot at the right time. You never know what's going to come. Stu's been great in that I've I've had a chance to actually see him work a few big league games as well at a few few different places. So I've traveled a few places and seen him work, and he still even took the time to visit after a game or catch up for a beverage later in the evening after working nine innings somewhere in Kansas City or Pittsburgh or Los Angeles or somewhere along the way. That's definitely the type of guy that Stu is. He definitely has not forgotten where he comes from. Okay, since we're talking about traveling and running and everything like that, let's move on to the next section, section of the show that we like to call 10 Questions. Can you give me a second to run to the bathroom before we do 10 questions? This is the second time he's had to go to the bathroom since we started. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I can hear you tinkling. Tranquility base here. The eagle has landed. This was only 10 seconds for the listener, but it was like five and a half minutes later. I think he went and made a sandwich, but we're back. Okay, Bob, while we're talking about running and traveling and all this stuff, let's move on to the next section of the show. How? how why don't we? Sure. Section of the show that we like to call 10 questions. I throw 10 questions at you. You answer them as you see fit. If I like them. And if I think your answer is garbage. If you hear... The only thing you have to do is get better, okay? I, I probably will hear that lot, so. <laughs> what is your favorite type of milkshake? I don't think you would ever go wrong with chocolate. Chocolate has to be the winner. Oh, chocolate. It's standard. There's, Yeah, I like it. I was going to get worried if you would have said something like strawberry or something like that. Like chocolate, vanilla, pretty standard. Where do you pick up a good milkshake in Regina? Tough to find a good milkshake, I think. I mean, I always will go to Dairy Queen, but I don't know if that's the best milkshake in Regina. What, are, what about Fuddruckers there in Regina? Any good at it? Being honest with you, I haven't actually been to Fuddruckers in Regina. It's been here for half a I've been there. Yeah, I know. Okay, I next, deserve a buzz for that one. Next question. Fuddruckers is awesome. If you ever get the opportunity to go. I've been to the Saskatoon one. It's good, but I've never been to the Regina one. Maybe you should get a hold of Chad Wagner and get him to take you down there. Support a local Sounds business. Sounds good, so. Support local during the COVID. Yes. What is one piece of gear that you need to update in your gear bag? I actually need to get some new plate shoes. I've had the same pair of plate shoes for, I think, six of my seven nationals. And we talked how long I've been to them. So. Oh, Bob, you're killing me here, man. Just killing me. You're, you're, but you're still wearing the Reebok plate shoes, aren't you? Yeah, I've had the Reebok plate shoes for a while. I've loved them and mm. I haven't got rid of them, but they're getting to the point that they need they need a little bit of TLC. So yeah. I think they're going to be the next update in that bag. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the Reebok made a fantastic product years ago. I don't know why they stopped. I think they lost the contract with Major League Baseball and then just stopped making them. But I don't think there's anybody that ever owned a pair of Reebok shoes that 
voluntarily gave them up because they they wanted to. They gave them up because they had to. Yeah, they've been a great they've been a great pair of Pellate shoes. Yep. I have no disappointments with those shoes. You buy a new set of headphones. Are you buying over the ear headphones or little earbuds? I'm I'm an earbud guy. So that's where I'm going. I like the earbuds. They're sleek, they're cool. You know, I got new AirPods. They're pretty cool. It's amazing the technology that's out there. I'm hesitant to buy stuff, but I got them as a gift. And wow, the technology that's out there nowadays and the clarity, fantastic. Yeah, there's no there's no disappointment in the earbuds that I've had. So have to be another pair of them. Okay, you get home from work. Hard, hard day. Are you crashing on a lazy boy or are you just finding the couch? The lazy boy. My lazy boy gets thrown out. Oh, yeah. You need to have a good lazy boy. You have a cooler. That's, that's where I'm doing this this podcast with you from. So from the lazy boy, I love it. From the lazy boy, keeping it loose, eh? That gotta be relaxed. Not gonna argue with you there. Okay, Bob. I know that you do a lot of yoga and training for curling and stuff, <laughs> but you skip leg day. Can't skip leg day. I hate leg day, but you can't skip leg day. That's right. You can't skip leg day. Nobody friends ever don't let day friends anyway. skip leg day. That's how it is. I hear Matt Shule skips a lot of leg days. I, I think he might. Bob, do you golf? I, I swing a club at a white ball, yes. What's your handicap? My handicap is currently about a 16. That's not bad. That's yeah, not I have days where it's good, and I have days where you question whether I've swung a golf club before. But I think that's exactly what a 16 handicap is. <laughs> your question <laughs> why you're there. You're not wrong there. <laughs> I've got it in one. I've got 101 this year on the same golf course. Yeah, anything's possible. Now, I can't lie to you. I got to respect a guy that says my handicap 16. If they're telling you their handicap 16, they're probably not lying to you. They're not running no Hollywood handicaps or sandbagging. Okay, Bob, do you like to watch the NFL? I, I do. What's your favorite team? My favorite team is the Colts. That's awful, yeah. man. Well, I, I became a Colts fan when they um, drafted this kid out of Iowa. His name was Bob Sanders. So I started following the Colts. And uh, my dad bought me a jersey, but fixed the spelling of the last name. So I started following them then, and I stayed watching them when they had Peyton and the boys and stuck with them here. Now, well, they haven't been as successful. That's fair, I guess. If someone, another, another honest answer, if someone tells you they're a Colts fan, it's, you can probably There's believe pro- them. It's probably a reason behind it if somebody tells you they're a Colts fan. Okay, growing Not up. Not the Patriots fans. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan. I, I, I take offense to that. Well, you have a better excuse than our Saskatchewan Patriots fans. Yeah. They okay. were a close team for you at home. Yeah, they were. They were the closest team. Some of the Patriots fans I don't understand are those guys in British Columbia. They just don't make sense. Like, how are you a My Patriots bo- fan? Like, is there a bandwagon that starts there at four in the morning and just drives across and picks them up or something? I don't know. My boss is a big Patriots fan, too. So. Yeah, they're bandwagon jumpers. It's Friday night, and you're heading into Blockbuster as a kid. What movie could you rent over and over and over again? Happy Gilmore. That was a fantastic movie. We've already talked to it, Happy Madison Productions here previously, but that was a great movie. <laughs> uh, Happy I'm, Gilmore was great. Anything by Adam Sandler. Most of the movies by Adam Sandler were pretty good, but yeah. Happy Gilmore is fantastic. got to be my favorite. Yeah, one of mine, too. I remember walking down to Gallivan's bookstore and getting the $2 rentals on the weekend. And I was always about rookie of the year. That was kind of my go-to in the never ending story. Yeah. Rookie, rookie of the year was a great baseball movie. Oh, fantastic. But happy Gilmore's there. It's got to be picked up. I'm not going to disagree too hard on you with that one. I know that 
Jeremy Nash, our first guest ever here on The Leading Edge. We used to go out late at night, maybe enjoy a few beverages, walk back to his place, 1819. We'd stay up for the first half hour. We could recite every word for that show, for that movie, for, like I said, a half an hour, 45 minutes until we couldn't stay awake any longer. Yeah, I was taking a road trip with a couple couple of my friends a, a couple of years ago, and they popped it in the... D, or in the in the player they didn't even put the audio on my one buddy just read us the movie like spoke the movie to us as we were driving along yeah there's many of us i think that have gotten that opportunity well if we're going to talk history okay let's go back okay. let's go back in history if you could visit any event in history and li- be part of it and live it what one would you pick that's one small be- step for man one giant leap for mankind the space landing would be interesting to be part of, but I actually think it would be interesting to see the fall of the Berlin Wall as well. Like thinking back to, you know, it's a historic moment in this, in our world as well. So I think it would be very neat to see that too. Took a little while to answer it. That's why we had to throw the sound effects in there to, you know, buy some time. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick the Titanic. I'd tell them not to hit the iceberg. Like seriously. Just go the other way. Don't hit it. Yeah, but I don't want to be part and live that because if they don't, if they hit the iceberg, Hugh and I aren't here chat. We never know how the world could be if they never hit the iceberg. That's reality. We wouldn't know if they didn't hit the iceberg that maybe there wouldn't be a war because they wouldn't have shot down the Lusitania. Things really could be different today. They never hit that iceberg. Okay. You might not have had the Berlin Wall to have to not take it down. That's it. If I tell my guy, don't hit the iceberg, we don't have the Berlin Wall. So you don't have your history moment. Exactly. <laughs> okay, question 10, Bob. Do you have any pregame rituals on how you like to get to the ball field? I'm a pretty basic laid-back guy trying to get in the ball field. We know that you're but, on your lazy um, boy, so you're pretty I do laid, have a story to tell you about getting on a ball diamond. Okay. So we're working. I'm working the Canada Cup. It's our first game. As we talked about, I'm working with Pete Perot. He's my crew chief. And Kelly Hunter. So we're walking down, we're walking in to, to the diamond and Kelly and I go to turn in through the dugout who's right there close to home plate. And Pete says to me, no, we can't go through a dugout. We can never go through a dugout. And he's adamant about this. So Pistol Pete, probably one of the fastest walkers you'll ever meet, but he's, no, he's, he's found a spot for us there at the diamond. There's a maintenance gate just around the end of the outfield wall on this diamond on the right field corner. So instead of walking in at first base, essentially right where the first base dugout is, no, we proceed all the way down to right field and come in the gate, close the gate back up nicely because the maintenance crew had already done this for us. And then we have to walk all the way back to home plate. Pistol Pete might be a quick walker, but that's still a long freaking walk. Wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at it now. Oh yeah, it's right here. Rule like 3.627A. You can't walk through a dugout. I learned I, I learned something, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Pete, come on now. You don't have to walk a mile to get into the ballpark. But, yeah, Pete would not go through it, did not want to go through a dugout. Oh, and I remember it. Rob Allen was supervising the game, and his first question to us when we got back was, nothing to do with the ball game. It was, where were you guys going to start this game? That's great. Rob always thinks very common sense, like, okay, like, let's get to point A to point B in a straight line. Now, I take it, was Pete your crew chief? Pete Pete was the crew chief okay. at that tournament. You're just so, doing what your crew chief says. I get it. You're just being a good subordinate. So. Yeah, well, what do you do? You I had the chance to be his crew chief at Pee Wee's and Brandon 
I don't know, what was it, six, seven years before that? Him and Andre Jean had a game where they decided to pick dandelions for each other and put them in their lapels. So uh, they were a little wound up. So that was their way of unwinding, I guess. <laughs> when I'm told I'm the calmest guy on the crew, you know we had, we had an interesting week. Yeah, these two guys were pick, picked dandelions and had them in their shirt lapels. That must have made you feel good being the calmest guy in the crew. Yeah, it's not a common occurrence, so <laughs> it's definitely got to be there. That's we why. Talked, but I'm easily wound up, and I'm... Probably the most gullible individual on my crew as well. So, Well, you got to take a compliment when you can get it, I guess. And you with your photographic memory, well, you must enjoy looking back on that moment and giggling. Yeah, it's well, it's one of those goofy comments that stick out because I know I'm, I can get a little wound up when I'm all in. It's always one of those moments where you're like, well, wasn't expecting that. I appreciate that. Or maybe you go, my life isn't that bad. Well, Bob, considering that we've already done the local legend section, this essentially wraps up this episode of The Leading Edge. Again, I want to thank you for coming on short notice and sharing with us some of your fantastic stories around Regina, the province of Saskatchewan, and Baseball Canada. Now, before you go, we always allow our guests the last opportunity to say a few words and predominantly lean towards wise words of wisdom. So, Bob, would you share with our listeners, when it comes to umpiring, what Bob Saunders's wise words of wisdom are? I don't know if I'm a, the best person to be giving wise words of wisdom, but I can definitely give it a try. One thing I want to convey, you know, to a lot of the umpires as they're growing up, learning this game is to ask lots of questions. Obviously, spend some time with your nose in a rule book, knowing the learn the rules, understanding them is not a bad thing along the way. Um, it can help you in many situations and potentially get you out of some trouble if you understand them, but also. Enjoy what you're doing. I'm going to steal something from uh, my Bantam with J from Jamie Killingsworth. Said you you are a good umpire and you're get and you're just getting better. Um, what he was what he was meaning by that is is we're all on the diamond. We're there. We're in the game that is there for a reason, and everything we're doing we're getting better at it. This game is not one. It's easy to officiate, as many people listening to this podcast know. But if you keep that in mind and keep that positive outlook on it even in moments where you think you're struggling or others think you're struggling um it helps you get or at least it helps me get through the opportunity or get through the situation that we're handling i mean that's almost a decade ago and i still keep that in the back of my mind and can remember that along the way well that concludes this episode of the leading edge where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Join us on our next episode where we bring on an umpire who played senior baseball for well over 20 years before he got into umpiring, is a recipient of both the Baseball Canada Dick Willis Award and Baseball Canada Lifetime Achievement Award, and worked the 1999 Pan Am Games in Winnipeg, Manitoba, David Bucky Buckingham. But before you go, we would like to leave you with this. There's a common rule myth that people believe the hands are part of the bat. This leads me to wonder, should we consider the batter's head part of their helmet? Take care, everybody, and stay safe.